This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Kindle Bas Estenacha. Should I have before Shalem? If my phone rings in the middle, you'll have to excuse me. Um, also, for Shalem for Chaim David Ben Leia. Should I have before Shalem Bakarai? Okay, today's, tonight's subject matter is Amuna. Because, because, if Klai would have had Amuna, then we wouldn't have uh, had the whole thing with sending out Maraglim. And if we wouldn't have sent out Maraglim, then we wouldn't be stuck here today. And we wouldn't have a Tisha above. We know that the Maraglim went out, um, Maraglim went out, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. And they were gone for 40 days. So they came back, and everybody was crying, it was Tisha above. So that they, they left the Rosh Thomas and they came back, became Tishabov. Had they not been crying, wouldn't have been Tishabov, but it became Tishabov. So, so the, the, the subject matter tonight, who opened this for me? Is there a reason? No? Okay. Um, so the subject matter tonight is Amuna, which of course is the most important subject that there is. Um, but I want to read you a little bit from the, from the Avaz Chaim, um, on this, on this week's parasha. Some interesting things. He says like this. So, when, um, well, let me go back a little bit. He says something I, I never really saw inside before, but I, I, I know that it's a fact. I've seen it many times, and um, a lot of guys ask a question, and, and the question is that we see many times that after a person becomes about tshuva, right, after he's able to beat something and change his life, everything that you can imagine after that goes wrong. Grandfather dies, loses his job, like everything that can go wrong goes wrong. And really it makes no sense. If you became about Chuva and you worked yourself and you got close to Hashem, so now you're punishing me? Like, you know, what's the deal? So he says here, uh, let's see what he says. Okay, so he says they did Chuva. Um, he said, interesting, he says that the cannot, what happened was they went into Eretz Yisrael and they saw they saw giants, number one, right, which is pretty scary. And they also saw that, that they were having this huge, huge, huge funeral. And wherever they went, whatever city they went, they were having this huge funeral with a lot of dead people. So they said it's Eretz Achla Yeshveha. It's a land that eats its, uh, that eats its people. Who wants to come to a land where everybody's dropping like flies, right? So we all know the route. We know the Mephoshim that that just the opposite. Hashem wanted them to be spies, and if they were spying and everybody was healthy, they would know they were spies. But being that everybody was busy with going to funerals, so the Jews were able to go into the land and spy, and everybody was busy. They didn't see. They didn't. Even, they didn't see what was going on. So he says they're very interesting. Um, that the Canaanim, right? Which we know they were Rishon. They were very bad. So he said that they believed, with all their avoid desire and all the bad stuff they did, they believed in the next world. They believe that you go to the next world. Listen, we know that uh, there are people who blow up uh, the blow up buses and kill people, and they believe also in the next world. They have a little different translation of what Ghanaian means exactly, but they also believe in the next world. So a lot of the other religions that are in this world, outside of Judaism, believe in the next world. The Canaanim also believe in the next world. But it was interesting, they did the following, he says, that... They believe that after they die, there's punishment 
for the bad, the toilet sadikim, and there's, there's reward for the good. Mariah, Mizah, a proof. Kishahoya Mace Echel Mehem, when, when, a, when a Kanani would die, and he wasn't righteous, and he wasn't good, um, well, I don't have to keep watching my phone, sorry guys. Of course, it's gonna ring with everyone else. Right, okay. So, um, when someone died, so they would put him in the basement, they would bury him in the basement, you hear this? And they would wait until one of their priests or one of their tzaddikim, their righteous kananim died. And then, kula moitzidas meisahem, they would all take out the dead bodies from their basements. And likbar oisayachad, they would bury it together with the righteous kanani. So they a huge mass burial. Why? They figured, they figured if you bury the bad guys with the good guys, the bad guys will hold on to the good guys, and when they go into heaven, the bad guys are going to heaven too. So you could, you could, you know, you could sin all your whole life, as long as they bury you together with a good guy, you got it made in the shade. Okay. So that's what they believed. Right? So, when the Maraglum came to Eretz Yisrael, Mace Eov, there's all machlokes who Eov was, but some, that Eov wasn't Jewish. Mace Eov, Eov died. So they, when Eov was a big tzaddik, so the Goyim all took out their dead bodies and they buried it with him. So when the Miraculum came back, they said, oh my goodness, there's these mass, mass burials. It's a land that, that, um, that buries its, its Yerushvat. What, what happens, what happens is, and this is what my shit is going to be, it's not going to be a long shit tonight, I know I always say that, but tonight it's really not going to be a long shit, because <laughs> I have to leave a little early. Um, what happens is, what we're going to talk about tonight is that when you don't have a munah, when you don't have a munah, what does a munah mean? What, is, what does that mean? What does that mean, belief? Right? A munah means not that it's going to turn out okay. It's not a munah. In other words... I'm doing miserable in business, I'm doing miserable in business, but I know that tomorrow, whatever, it's going to turn out, this person is sick, and I have a Muna, Hashem is going to make him better. A Muna me, a Muna is that no matter what happens, I trust, I have a Muna in Hashem, that it's for the good. That's really for the good. Not Gamzu, that's really for the good. So a Muna is not always that it comes out the way you picture things to come out. Now this was... The mistake in this week's parasha of the Moraglim. The Moraglim thought they're going to go to Israel and they're going to come. Out, they're going to come back with a report. But what happens is, if you don't have a Muna, you you translate what you see, right? Depending on what you need. So. You, what happened here is very interesting. I mean, um, there's a lot of arguments about why these big tzaddikim, you know, we read these stories in the Torah and we're like, oh man, I would, you know, I love Israel. I get on El Al. I would never go to Israel and come back, you know, with a bad report. Like, what's wrong with these people? You know, they, Hashem, Hashem told them that it's Israel, Eretz Zavat Chalamudavash. Right? So we think, oh, they're, they're messed up guys, you know? They came back, a bunch of messed up, you know, Nesim, came back and they gave a bad report. No. These were Nesim. These were the heads of their tribes. These were Tzaddikim. These were huge, huge Tzaddikim. I don't even know if we ever heard of a Tzaddik that's as big as that they were. That's how big they were. So, what went wrong over here? 
And if you understand what went wrong in their life, then you can understand what's going wrong in your life. Because it's the exact same thing. It doesn't really matter on what level you are. What went wrong is translation. They translated what they saw. See, Moshe Rabbeinu was no fool. Moshe Rabbeinu was no fool. Hashem sort of told Moshe Rabbeinu, right, Shlach Lecha. I'm not part of this business. I'm telling you to go into Israel. You want to, you want to send spies into Eretz Yisrael? It's Lecha. It's for you. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not what I want. It's what you guys want. Now, how is Moshe Rabbeinu fooled? How is Moshe Rabbeinu fooled? So if Moshe Rabbeinu heard from Hashem, Shlach Lecha, I think I, you know, I'm not Moshe Rabbeinu, but I think I have the same problem he has, he had. I'll explain to you why. When it says Shlach Lecha, Right? So Moshe Rabbeinu knew who he was sending. He was sending to see him. All he asked them for, if you look, if you look in the Pasuk, right, um, he said the following. Go, go, go to, um, go to Eretz Yisrael and see what's going on over there. See the people that are there. Are they strong? Harafa, Hamadu, are they Imrab? Are they strong? Are they weak? Are there a lot? Are there few? Just give me a, a logistical report. He didn't ask for the, a translation. Come back, your spies, come back with the films. Are there a lot of people? There are a few people. Do they look, do they look like they have a good army? Do they look tough? They look like a bunch of weaklings. You know, what's going on there? Right? Are they surrounded? Are they not surrounded? Is it a fat land? Is it a, is it a skinny land? Which is a whole, there's a whole big medrash on this. What is he asking? Are there trees? What are you asking? Are there trees? Uh, he tells them, be strong and bring back from the priorets. Like, oh, you may be quoting them. That was the mission statement. If you read the mission statement, that was the mission statement. Now let's look how they come back. Let's look at their report. Now, these are guys who had a job for the CIA. Go in, right? Get us the report. Come back out. You know, I don't know what the army calls it, but it's like, before the infantry. They send in scouts. These were the scouts. Okay. So here they come back. Here's the report. We went, we're reporting. We went, we got to the land. It's true. It uh, flows with milk and honey. Here are the fruits. Um, first of all, they're very strong cities. They're very strong people. We saw them. And um, we saw the giants. Amalek is there. They're giving a good report. Exactly what they're supposed to. They're giving statistics. Amalek is there, they're in the south. Chiti is there, Amayri is there, they're in the mountains. Kanani is there, they're at the water. So far, beautiful. Good job, CIA. You know what do they call those guys, the, uh, the guys that they send in from the, from the ocean? Navy. Navy SEALs, right? They send in the SEALs, beautiful. They're coming back. Perfect report, everything. They got everything written down. Who's in the north, who's in the south, who's in the mountains? Beautiful. Okay. They go on. <laughs> Now, Kalev understood, okay, that's the report, but now what's going to happen is they're going to give their own report. So he, he quieted down, and he quieted them, the Jews down, and he said, 
All right, let's go. Olanala, let's go. Let's go. We, we're ready to go. We got the reports. We know who's in the south, who's in the north, who's on the ocean, who's there. We got all our statistics. Yala, no. Let's go. Bring in the tanks. Let's go. It's time to go to Eretz Yisrael. That's what Hashem told us to do, right? What happens? And this is the problem. And the, 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 the Miraglim that went with him, right? The other ten. Amru said, Lo, Nucha, Lalois, El Ha'am. We cannot go and capture this nation. Because they are stronger than us. Who asked you for your opinion? Who asked you for your opinion? We told you to come back. I'm looking for the word. I don't have the word. So, to come back with the information, but it's not called information. What? Intelligence. intelligence. Come back. Thank you. That was an intelligent answer. Come back with the intelligence, and then Hashem will take care of everything else. Not that we need intelligence to give Hashem, but you know what? We're going to play Stratego. You know, we'll play the game. Ain't same Kahanes. You know, so we're going to get all our reports, like the Israeli army, and we're going to Gaza. But Hashem will help us, right? So, imagine if you send in your scouts and they come back to report to the generals and they tell the generals, we went into Gaza, it's booby-trapped, forget it. We're never going to be able to capture it. They're going to take those guys who ever said that and they're going to line them up in a wall, you understand? And who asked you to demoralize the rest of the army? We asked you for intelligence. So over here they came back and they mixed in their personal opinion. Now, this is my own little Vatara, my own little thought when I was preparing this year. Moshe Rabbeinu was a big tzaddik. And if you look through all the stories of Moshe Rabbeinu and Klai Yisrael, you will see that he always judged them for the best. You know, even in the fight next, in next week it was Korach, right? The whole fight that he had with Korach. And Dustin Vaviram, and they were cursing him out and making fun of him. He went ahead, we'll talk about it next week, and he went to visit them. Maybe I'll go, I'll talk to them, and they'll do tshuva. You know, so Moshe Rabbeinu knew that they're going to go in there and give a report. But he thought, and this is where Hashem said, Lacha. Moshe Rabbeinu, this is my opinion, Moshe Rabbeinu thought they're Nisim. I'm not sending in some clowns. So the Nisim, when they give their opinion, their Nisim, they're going to say, after seeing all this, eh, this is nothing. We beat Mitzrayim. We did Kriyas Yamsuf. We took down the biggest nation in the world. What's the problem? So Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't worried. Because he thought that when they give their opinion, when they give their opinion on what they saw, it's going to be like Kalev. Well, this is nothing. Instead... They said, We're not going to be able to overcome this other nation. Many times, guys, as friends, and our friends tell us they want to change, and they want to stop a certain behavior, smoking, moving, whatever, it doesn't make a difference, what the behavior is. And we tell them, come on, you can't, you can't, you can't, there's no way. You try ten times to stop. You can't stop. That's your opinion. We asked you for your opinion. But we asked the Muraglim for their opinion. Was their report was a report, and that's it. To give the opinion that you can't or you can, they weren't asked for that. Moshe Rabbeinu, I believed, 
believed in his Nesim, and believed that when they come back and they get their personal, they get involved and meshed with the report personally, that it's going to be a good report. But that was, the only report that came back like that was Kalev. Why didn't Yeshua say anything? Yeshua didn't say one word. Kalev got up and spoke. Yeshua didn't say anything. The reason Yeshua didn't say anything, if anybody should have said anything, his name was Hoshea ben Nun, it became Yehoshua, because Moshe Rabbeinu was a little scared about what's going to happen, right? He wasn't sure what their interpretation was going to be. So he changed his name from Hoshea to Yehoshua. He gave him an extra chizik. Kalev went on his own, because he also realized that when you, when you twist yourself into your report, it usually gets corrupted. And therefore, Kalev went to Hebron, it says, and he davened by the Maras HaMachpelah to the Oves HaVoseinu, and in their schus, they walked with him through Israel, they walked with him, and through their schus, he didn't fall in. So the question is, why did Yehoshua get up, he was second in command, and say, it's not true what they're all saying. The land is talking good and fruits, but we can, there's no problem, we can destroy them. Why didn't he get up and say that? And the answer is, he couldn't. Because Let's say Yoshua would have said that the land is great and that we could capture the land. What is everyone going to say? Sure, last week's Pasha, right, Eldad and Medad, who were the Nevi'im, said that Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to go into Israel. So Yoshua, the reason you're giving a good report on Eretz Yisrael is because you want to go into Eretz Yisrael. Because you know that once we go into Eretz Yisrael, Moshe's going to die and you're going to become the leader. So we don't believe anything you're saying. So for Yoshua to get up and say good about Israel, they would have said, baloney, you just want to be the next, the next leader. So that's why you don't see Yehoshua saying one word. Kalev is the only one that got up. Let's go on. Listen, listen to how careful a person has to be when he speaks. So what they saw was a lot of people dying. And that was done on purpose. How did they translate it? They said to the Israel, the land that we're going through to spy, it's a land that eats its people. What a translation. Imagine we're all waiting to go into a land, right? And the guys who come back say, hey, the whole land is quicksand. Wherever you walk, you're going to get swallowed up. So they were definitely sabotaging, sabotaging at this point, us going into Eretz Yisrael. They're totally into, my opinion, I always tell girls, don't go out a second time with a guy who's my, 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 my the whole time, right? My opinion, and my opinion, and my opinion, and my opinion. Hello, there's other people who have opinion too. The guy who keeps talking about I and I and I and my opinion, and my opinion, and my opinion here, they're very busy with their opinion. They didn't, they didn't say, huge, huge giants, crazy fruit, people dying. What, are they, what do you think, guys? What do you think is going on? Maybe we should, you know, ask Moshe Rabbeinu what he thinks is going on. They already came. I got my opinion. This is my opinion. This is what's going on. Have a nice day. Shine. There was nothing. Why don't you go to Moshe Rabbeinu? Tell him. Okay, we're coming back. He sent the spies. He's the general. Come back to him and say, we, we checked it out. Something's wrong over there. People were dying. He would have said, people were dying. So you can come. Why did they do that? Because once you have your opinion, right? Used to be someone used to tell me, it's a mat. It's a matter of opinion, but your opinion doesn't matter. You understand? <laughs> Once you have your opinion, you're ready, you don't hear, everyone else is blah, 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 blah. You don't even hear what they're saying. So, so, one of the worst midos 
is when a person is so sure of himself that he doesn't have to ask. That's when you make mistakes. They should have come back and just reported to Moshe Rabbeinu. Who asked him to get up and make a Gansa assembly, a whole Madison Square Garden assembly, and talk to the whole Klai Yisrael? Because I think, i got to give my opinion, but you're a spy. You're supposed to give intelligence. But I think, but, but, but it's me. i gotta, I got to tell everyone what I think. Okay, we hear this all the time. But I just asked you a question. I don't, I don't need to know what you think. In Shidduchim, you hear this a lot. Can you tell me about this girl? She's very pretty. Um, is she taller than me? Like, you know, I'm like five, uh, five seven. Is she taller than me? No, she's five six. But in my opinion, she's not a shidduch for you. I asked you for your opinion. I asked you information about the girl. I didn't ask you for your opinion. It is so important for all of us to give our opinion on everything. A million opinions. I have an opinion on politics, opinion on sports, op- opinion on everything. You're not supposed to have so many opinions. That was their mistake over here. They should have just come back. They were asked to report something. They should have reported. But they're not finished. They have more opinions. Wait. And everyone we saw there were, giant, were very big. They were the giant. They were the malachim that were thrown down to this world. They were giants. But he and we were um, in our eyes we felt like grasshoppers when we hung, when we were walking past them and in their eyes we were grasshoppers I love this Pasuk I love this Pasuk because this is such a Pasuk on psychology they have written books on this Pasuk of course not quoting this Pasuk Right, but books and books and books and books and classes and college and degrees. This pasuk is the pasuk in the Torah on self-esteem. An amazing pasuk. You don't got to go to college for five years to know to, to understand this. It's what you should go to college. I'm not telling you not to go to college, but listen to what this pasuk is telling us. Pasuk is saying, In our eyes, we felt like grasshoppers. And in their eyes, we felt like grasshoppers. Rashi says, listen to this. Rashi says, Pasek Lame Gimel. Had a feeling where I knock him, right? How did they know what they looked like in the giants' eyes? The giants didn't tell, the giants didn't know they were there. The giants didn't bend down and say, what is that karate movie? Grasshopper, you know? They didn't, they didn't bend down and call it like, oh, little grasshopper, you know? So how did they, how did they, I, didn't, I never saw the movie, kids tell me the story. Anyway, um, so, so the question is, how did they know they were grasshoppers? The giants didn't even know they were there, right? I mean, they, they didn't talk to them. So how are you coming back and telling everyone, you know, in that giant's eyes, I felt I was a grasshopper. So Rashi says, listen to this. Shema'anu Imrim zelazan and they heard the giants telling each other, there are ants in the grass that talk like humans. That's what Rashi says. So a big question on Rashi. How is Rashi answering our question? Our question is, how did they know that the giants looked at them as grasshoppers? So Rashi's answering... That they heard the, the giants talking and saying, 
that there are ants in the grass. If Rashi was answering the question, Rashi should have said that the giants were talking to each other and said there are grasshoppers in the grass. If you're saying that there were ants in the grass, then the Pusik should have said, we felt like ants. Rashi's making the question even stronger. Rashi's saying, what did they hear? They heard that one giant was telling the other one that there are ants in the grass. So then why is the Pusik telling us that there were grasshoppers in the grass? If they heard ants, then they should have said ants. Good question. You understand? Everyone, everyone's looking at me like I'm weird. You understand the question, what I'm asking? Okay. If they heard ants, they should have said oh, ants. If, they, if, they, if it says in the Pusik, grasshoppers, then if they heard ants, why, what is Rashi answering over here? It's like, like, like Rashi saying, how did they know they were grasshoppers? Because they heard the two giants talking. Ooh, there are cockroaches in the grass. Or there are buffalo in the grass. Or hippos in the grass. What are you answering that there were ants? So, that is what the Pasuk is telling us. They heard that there were ants in the grass. That's what Rashi says. That's a fact. So why did they say there were grasshoppers? Why did they say they felt like... Because they, the Pasuk first tells you, In their own eyes, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Therefore, what you think you are, that's what you feel you're projecting on what other people think you are. Oh, oh, is this a fact in psychology, in therapy, in self-esteem? What you think you are, that's what you think everyone thinks of you. So, Rashi's saying something even bigger. They heard that they were ants. The reason they didn't feel like they were ants, that the giants were calling them ants, because they felt like grasshoppers. Which means that if you even hear someone tells you, you're this and this, but you feel you're this and this, that's what you think everyone's going to see in you. It's the famous story with the pimple on the nose. <laughs> right? You got this big pimple on your nose. This big, red, swollen, acne pimple that you're trying to get rid of for the last who knows what. You walk into a room, right? A sheriff brachus. And everybody, and you, you know, and you sit down in your seat, and everyone's looking at you. And you're like, oh my goodness, they're all looking at my pimple. Now, there's not one person in that room that's looking at your pimple. They don't care about your pimple. They don't even see your pimple. But because you are conscious that you have a pimple on your nose, you think that's what everybody sees. Because that's your projection of what you see. So, over here in the Pasuk, since the, if they would have felt like giants, then they would have come back and said, the giants think we're giants. If they would have felt like ants, they would have said, they said they were ants. We don't feel like we're ants. We're a little bigger than ants. And therefore, even though the giants are talking stupid like they're calling us ants, we're not ants because we think we're grasshoppers. Mm -hmm. So a person, it's such an important lesson. Whatever, whatever, and this has a lot to do with Amuna and my whole share on Moshe Rabbeinu being connected to Hashem, whatever you believe you are, that's what you are. And, And that's what you believe people think of you. And therefore, I have come across in 30 years, 31 years of being a Rebbe and being out there. It, it, it's so hard to understand. I, I don't want to talk about the Jewish, but in, in, let's say in the Goyesha world, that you have an Elvis Presley who was the superstar. And you have a Marilyn Monroe. And you have, you have super, superstars in music and in sports and in acting and in Hollywood who committed suicide. 
And nobody in their right mind can understand why would a person like all these people, why would they commit suicide? They're giants! Giants! Elvis Presley, giant of the king of, the king of rock and roll. Right? Giants on the, on the movie screen. Giants! You know, actresses and, 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 and comedians. Bellucci, Bellucci, all these guys who were, you know, when I was growing up on Saturday Night Live, he was, he was the man. How could he kill himself? Right? He was the funniest guy in the world. Guess what? He didn't think he was funny at all. So if he didn't think he was funny at all, he really didn't think anyone thought he was funny. Because if what, what you believe in yourself, you see people never who take their lives, who have everything, millions of dollars, and stardom and everything, and they're like, what's up with these people? How could you have low self-esteem? You're so pretty, you're so handsome, you're so wealthy, you're so, you're so, I know guys that are so accomplished in life. But their, 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 their vision of who they are is so low. And therefore, if their vision of who they are is so low, then in the giant's eyes, I'm low. In everybody's eyes, I'm low. I project that in everyone's eyes, I'm low. And that was the problem that Moshe Rabbeinu did not foresee. He did not foresee that the greatest Nesim, the greatest leaders of Klai Yisrael, in their eyes, would have low self-esteem and would project that this was an impossibility. And the reason that that happened was because they had no Amuna. If you don't have Amuna, you are an ant. You are an ant. If you're not connected to Hashem, so what are you? One little cell, Chas goes wrong, you're dead. If one little tooth gets infected, you can't, you can't think straight. One little grain of sand goes into those big eyes of yours. And you, you, you one eyelash, forget a grain of sand. And you, you can't see anything. And your eyes tearing and you're pulling and you're trying, you can't see it. An eyelash. Look how nothing we are. Take out an eyelash, look at it. This little thing, can totally corrupt my eyes and I won't be able to open them. We're nothing. It's true we're nothing. But if we have a Muna and we're connected to Hashem, giants, big fruit, people dying, cities that have, that have nuclear warheads, who cares? And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu didn't expect. Moshe Rabbeinu expected them to come back with a report, but translate the report into, oh my goodness, Eretz Yisrael has huge fruit. We're going to eat that fruit. We're going to be huge people. Now, why? What was the mistake? What, what did he call wrong? So, number one, which I talk about a lot, is the Yetzirah Yetzirah. Which means that sometimes we don't know who's talking to us in our head. We don't know if it's the Yetzirah or it's the Yetzirah. Listen to this Cheshben, according to some of Chazal, that, that the Nisim made. This was the Cheshben that they made. They came into Eretz Yisrael. They saw, for the first time in their life, vineyards. Right? I don't think Mitzrayim had vineyards. Right? They had vineyards in Eretz Yisrael. There were people working, plowing, planting, seeding, harvesting, reaping, picking, working, working on the ground, working in the fields. Building, they had big cities. He said, that's not for us. We're in Kylo for the last 40 years. We're sitting and learning. We don't pick, we don't grow, we don't have to do any work whatsoever. The money comes from Shemayim. Our food is, you wake up in the morning, you walk out your door, depending on how good you are, that's how close it is to your door. Your food is waiting for you. You don't got to plant, you don't got to seed, you don't got to damit Hashem. I need rain, I need sun, I need talumotor, I need dew. No prayers. 
I don't need anything. Did you have to go wash your clothing? No. You walked in, you took your suit, you, you, took, you walked into the, into the cloud, you walked out, it was prepped, it was clean. It was amazing. It was amazing. You had to do nothing. So, they had a from Yetzirah. They came into Eretz Yisrael and they said, oh my goodness, no, it's Chazal brings us down. They weren't bad people. They said, oh my goodness, the Bittal Torah. The Jews are now going to have to go to work to make a living. The Bittal Torah, the working and the stop learning of Torah, that's crazy. That's not what Hashem wants. We got to make sure we don't go into Eretz Yisrael. We're going to stay in the Midmore. We're going to sit and learn forever and ever and ever. We're going to be surrounded by clouds. Sitting in Yeshiva, we're going to be surrounded by clouds. Our clothing's going to be taken care of. Our food's going to be taken care of. The clouds, there was, there was no road paving. Who knows what they saw in Eretz Canaan? Maybe they saw some of these big trucks, you know, paving roads. The, the, the cloud would go. It would pave the desert road. That they, they didn't have to do anything. So all of a sudden, they came into this land where you had to do everything, build a house. And they said, Bittal Torah. So, which we do a lot. They came back with a bad report in the name of God. I'm giving this bad report so we could stay out of Eretz Yisrael, so we could be Masmidim, and we can learn Torah. But the Medrash goes on and says, so where did that come from? Why did they do that? Because if they really would have gone into themselves, they would, they would have understood that the reason that everything was behind this was because they knew that once they went into Eretz Yisrael, there would be no more Nesim. They would lose their jobs. So the root of the evil was selfishness. Power. Money. Covered. They knew that the minute they crossed into Eretz Yisrael, there's no more to see them. There's Malchus. There's kings. Now, you're not going to say, no one in this room is going to say, I'm a bad guy, so I'm going to talk Lush and Hara because I'm a bad guy. No. You're going to have to make it good with yourself. So you're going to have to be a bad guy because you're a tzaddik. So they didn't come back and say, well, I didn't want to lose my job. So that's why Eretz Yisrael is no good. They said, we want to learn all day. We want to do the right thing. So we don't want to go to work. We don't want you to go into Eretz Yisrael. So the whole thing was corrupted because, and that's what Hashem told Moshe. I mean, I saw this when I was preparing this year. It's so beautiful. He said, shlach. You want to send Meraglim? You know why the Meraglim want to go into Israel? Lecha. For themselves. They wanted to go each one for themselves. Because they didn't want to lose their job. So they were going to go in and sabotage this whole thing. So that they wouldn't lose their jobs. Hashem said in the end, it's all about the person himself. He's going to come up with two words, but I'm God. I'm doing it for, for everyone else. And I'm doing it because I'm from. And I'm doing it so everyone can learn. It's not for anything, it's for them. It's so that they can keep their jobs. And the rest of it is bluff. Or they would have just come back and they just would have reported what they saw. So we need to know. And of course, this is the basis of all Lashon Hara. This is the basis of all Lashon Hara. And, and by the way, Kleistral didn't freak out. When they came back and they said they're giants and everybody's dying and it's a land that eats its own people. Everybody was cool. Why? Because we are the Israeli army, and we are connected to Hashem, and we can take anyone down because we can do anything. Nobody freaked out. When did they freak out? When they said, 
we in our own eyes are a bunch of grasshoppers, and in their eyes we're a bunch of grasshoppers. Next word, next pasuk, Vatisa kol with When they said that, when they said our self-esteem is that of a grasshopper, Chayisrael cracked. And they cried a whole night, and Hashem said, you cried that night, you will cry forever that night. And that's Tishabov. And the Holocaust, and the Spanish Inquisition, and all the destruction of the base, Hamigdash, both of them burned to the ground, all on Tishabov at night. That night, you cried, that was your self-esteem, after having God do all the miracles that He did in the desert, and in Mitzrayim, you Hashem didn't complain about all the other stuff they said. They, they gave a report. You feel like grasshoppers after everything I did to you? You feel like grasshoppers? And when Kleisol heard that, they lost it. That was the end of them. Till Mashiach comes. Till Mashiach comes. Tishabov is Tishabov. So I, I think that the lesson that, that we all need to take from this parasha is to understand that we're not grasshoppers. We are Klai Yisrael. We are the children of Hashem. We are connected to Hashem. And anybody can come back with any report that Mishnah Amjada, whatever his name is over there, he's got nuclear bombs, and Pakistan has nuclear bombs, and Korea has whatever they have, and the whole world's collapsing. And, and that's the report. And, and that's the intelligence report. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff going on around the world. That's the intelligence report. But as long as you don't feel that Klai Yisrael, that we are grasshoppers, that they could just step on us and this could happen and you feel that we are great, we are Klai Yisrael. That was David Amel's Koyach. No matter what he was up against, he, he, felt, he knew who he was. As long as we feel that, as long as a person feels that, you can conquer the world. You can do anything you want to do. As long as you have your self-esteem. And a Jew's self-esteem comes from Amuna. Believing that he's connected to Hashem and that Hashem has his hand at all times and Hashem doesn't let go of your hands. So, when I started, I just want to repeat, read it to you from inside. So I think it's very important for a person who's doing tshuva to know this. And he says like this. Hayet Sahara, Ms. Gabriel, wait, wait, he starts over here. Rak Tzarech Shieda Adam Sha'achre Tshuva. A person should know that after you do tshuva, which means after you do, you ask for forgiveness and you want to change your life, I've been saying this for a long time. You did tshuva. You stopped whatever talking to girls. I know no one does that here. Just give me your marshal. Made up your mind. From now on, I go to Manhattan, right? I don't even look up. I walk. Look, I look like a mashugan. It doesn't matter. I put my baseball hat on. I walk. I don't look at nobody. I go to work and I, right? And you work in this. Jewish jewelry firm and Baruch Hashem they hired only Williamsburg girls everyone is dressed very sneistic and you're so happy that after Rabbi Wallace and Shear, you get on the train you sit down, you open your Gemara you get off the train, you walk down 47th Street your mamash walk looking into all the showrooms at, at all the nice rings and everything you don't look at all the girls walking in the street you take the elevator, you go upstairs you come into your office, all the nice Williamsburg sneestaker girls are there, you don't have to look at them but even if you look at them, right, Baruch Hashem everyone's sneestaker, it's fantastic right, you decide Rebbe, I'm doing this you go one day, you go two days, it's amazing right a week later, your boss decides to hire a new girl a guy She's hardly dressed. You're like, 
Hashem, I don't understand. I'm killing myself a whole day. I'm, I'm walking around. I'm looking at the walls. I'm specifically working in a firm where they're nice, theistic girls. What are you doing? Two weeks after I started doing tshuva, you send this to the, to the office? And the guy makes her my assistant? <laughs> what are you doing? It's not fair. Right? It's not fair. Happens. Well, I'm not going to tell you it happens all the time, because then all of a sudden all you guys are going to do tshuva, hoping that's going to happen. <laughs> so, no, I'm not going to tell you that it happens all the time. But it happens in different examples. Very often. Very often. I know people really that work on their kosher, kids who didn't eat kosher, and their mom is eating kosher, eating kosher, and, 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 and they, get, they, they, they go to a party which they think is kosher, and they find out later that it was a shaggy, that it was an accident, that they didn't know. They really thought something was kosher, and it wasn't like Hashem. I'm, I'm, I'm on purpose not eating, and, and now I make a mistake like this. Well, I don't understand. What are you doing? We find many times that after we open our heart to change ourselves, it gets harder. When logically, if I take a step towards you, God, then you should take a step towards me. It should get easier. And you ask any about Shuvah, he'll tell you, it gets harder. He throws more tests. So, so finally, I found an Abbas Chaim that says exactly that. That she, Adam, a person needs to know, that after he does Shuvah, Yitzhar gets worse. And he doesn't leave him alone. Until after very hard tests. Achabal Shuvah Oymer. Listen to this, it's mamish, exactly what I've been saying for years. Actually, about Tshuva Omer, until it gets so hard, that the Baal Tshuva says, Miyom shikabat al-atmi, li'as Yehudi, since I accepted to be a good Jew, animoi tzoris v'yisurim. I became full of pain, and, 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 and what kind of tzoris? What's going on over here? I stopped gambling, because Rebbe told us about gambling, Right? I had a good business, I was gambling. Now I stopped gambling, and I'm working hard on my business, and now my business is going bankrupt. I was open on Chavez, I was making millions. I closed on Chavez, figured Hashem's going to reward me that Sunday's going to be double what I used to make on Chavez, and now my business is going down, I'm losing everything. So what, what's, what's going on here? Where's the payment for what, what I'm trying so hard? She says, She says, you need to know that this is a test. That we see this in the Dar Hamidbar. And it's it's just the opposite. Once you once you break out of prison and you're no longer a prisoner in jail and we're bringing you back into society we need to bring you back into society. And each piece of coming back into society and coming out of prison is another test, is, is another growth. I, I, I said tonight a very cute story. Um, but it's, it's very true what he says over here. It happens all the time, and that, that's part of the growth. But then all of a sudden you get at a certain point where you get this crazy shiat and shmaya, and you're like off to the races. And your life really changes. You get a crazy shiat and shmaya, but it, it's, 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 it's a couple of very, very hard tests. So I, I was telling, um, I spoke by a um, graduation tonight. So, you know, graduation of elementary school or high school, you f- pretty much feel like you're out of prison. Um, I don't even want to repeat some of the um, remarks that kids made on the way out of graduation. Amen. But getting out of prison was a nice word. 
So, so you feel like, you know, so what's the word graduate? It should say, and now the eighth grade escaped. <laughs> Tonight, we are celebrating the escape. The great escape of 22 boys and girls who now got out of yeshiva, you know, or out of high school. It should, why is it called graduation? Why isn't it called escape? When you get out of prison after 10 years, they don't say he graduated prison. You is, you're finished prison, right? Why is it called graduation? So, and that has a lot to do with what, what, I'm, what I'm telling you when, when, when a person's changing. And, and your self-esteem comes from your change. It comes from your growth. And it's hard. But it's very important to know that what you think of yourself is what you think everyone thinks of you. Sometimes it works the re- in the reverse. You're a big shot. You think you're who knows what. And you think everybody else thinks you who knows what. But they don't. Right? Because the projection on that side doesn't always work. People walk around like, you know who I am? And the guy's like, yeah. When he, walk, when he turns around, they talk, yeah, who is he? Right? But a person's, what you feel is what you project onto other people. What you think is wrong with you, you think everybody sees that in you. But, and I'll tell you something else. Very interesting. What you see wrong with yourself, you see in everybody else. I find that all the time. People who judge other people not favorably judge themselves not favorably. A person who who judges himself favorably judges others favorably. Don't judge your friend until you're in his place. You're never in his place. Two objects can't occupy the same space, we learn in physics. So you're never in his place. You're different. So a guy who's very hard on himself is very hard on other people. A guy who's... You know what? I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I'm going to try to do better. So when you make a mistake, he's like, you made a mistake. You made a mistake. It's okay. You'll try to do better. This is very, 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 very true. And a guy who's like, when you make a mistake, like you're crazy and you, you, you get down on yourself and you get depressed. So when somebody else makes a mistake, you, there's no room for him. There's, there's no room to forgive him. You have to be able to forgive yourself. Don't, don't stay a Russia when you do something wrong because if you're going to stay a Russia your whole life, you're never going to come out of that hole. You gotta come out of the hole. You can't be a rush. You made a mistake, learn from it, do tshuva, grow from it. Don't live in it. You live in it, you're depressed, you're on medicine, you're sleeping till four o'clock in the afternoon, you're nebuch, you're feeling sorry for yourself, and nebuch on you, if you feel sorry for yourself, because you're never gonna come out of it. Tshuva means, get over it. You did it, ask for forgiveness, learn from it, don't step into the same hole you just stepped into, that's a fool. Learn to step around it, but don't live there, don't stop at the hole Park yourself there and say, now I'm just going to sit here. I'm never walking into that hole again. I'm never walking into that hole again. I'm never walking into that hole. Two weeks later, he's sitting by the same hole. I'm never walking into that hole again. I will not go into that hole again. Sugar now. Get past the hole. Step over it and continue with your life. You're laughing, but there's so many people like that. There's so many people that are living in their mistakes and they can't get out of it. And they're just sitting there and they're sitting there and they're sitting there. And I don't want to go into it. You know, because I'll get 150,000 emails from across the world. But that's my argument with AA. I, I think that AA is very important. You know, every time I tell you I'm not going to get into it, I get into it. Um, I think it's very important. I think that, you know, the 12 steps, whatever it is, it's important. Um, if you need it, I think that, you know, it's a good time to go to, you know, you need people when you're drinking and you want to, you want to get a drink. You need to call up your sponsor and tell the sponsor I'm about to take a drink and he has to talk you out of it. That's very good. I think that that we're making a big mistake, that we don't have that for, for, for our virus. I'm serious, you know? I think Alcoholic Anonymous is a fantastic model for what we should do with our virus, right? 
Averis is also AA. Averis Anonymous. Right? I'm about to do an Avera. Call your sponsor. Right? Your sponsor is Rebbe, Rabbi, this one, that one, your friend. Hello, Chayim! Help! I'm about to do an Avera! Okay, calm down. Sit down. We'll talk this out. Same way. It would work. I think it's an idea. But I'll tell you the difference. I'll tell you the difference. And this is, this is what I talk about a lot, and I get a lot of flack for what I'm about to say. But I really don't care. <laughs> so, the thing in AA is that you're always an alcoholic. You're always an alcoholic. You are a recovering alcoholic. So, you're living at that hole. You're living at that hole. You're living at that bottle. I'm an alcoholic, and I really want you, but I'm not going to drink you. I'm 30 days clean. I'm 60 days clean of you. I'm 90 days clean of you. Why don't we just put you away and get past you? I was an alcoholic. I used to drink a lot. I had a very big problem. I am no longer an alcoholic. Now I can go right But if I live my whole life around this, and, and, and there's so many people that are, I'm 40 years clean. I'm 40 years going I'm going 40 years to Alcoholics Anonymous once a week. There's something wrong. That means that you're sitting at the hole and you're saying, I'm not going into the hole. I don't want to go into the hole. I used to jump into the hole, but I'm not going into the hole. Hi, I think I have to go into the hole. Can you help me? You're living around this pit your whole life. You don't have a life. So, yes, you, you, you need to learn that I have a drinking, I had a drinking problem, and I have a drinking problem, and I, and I can't drink anymore, and I can't even take a little l'chaim, and under my chasen I have to have grape juice, and I can't have wine. But you don't need to go every single week for 40 years to know that. That means you're living, you, that's your life. That, that's not Tyra. Tyra is that when a person does tshuva, if I, if, if Rabbi Wallerstein, if this Rebbe sitting in front of you would live in my Averis, I couldn't teach you. You think I was a perfect tzaddik growing up as a kid? I did stuff. If, if I lived in there, how could I sit in front of you and teach you Torah? So, I learned from what I did wrong. I learned, on, I learned how to make Yudarim fences so I don't go back into that hole. And I'm out of here. I'm up in the mountains. I'm running. I'm in life. I'm not stuck. You're not allowed to get stuck. And, 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 and AA is very important. It's a start. And, and it helps. But don't get stuck. Don't walk around, I'm a drug addict, I'm a drug addict, I'm a recovering drug addict. You're a human being that used to do drugs. You're a human being that used to drink. You're a human being that used to gamble. You're not a gambler. You were a gambler. You're now, having gambled in 10 years, so right now you're not a gambler. Until you gamble again, you're not a gambler. If you, if you get it, yes, you have to have the awareness that I got a problem. So I can't go into a casino to get a drink. And I can't go with my friends and sit at a casino and laugh. And I can't land in Vegas on an overnight trip to California and sleep there in, you know, a big casino and not play. You, you have to have learned from what you were, what you have to stay away from. But you can't just keep living in it unless, unless, if, I, if in my eyes that's what I am, then that's what you are. Then that's what you are. Now, I'm going to get crazy emails because I said this, because the whole world has 12 steps and all this other stuff, and look how many people we saved, 
And I want to tell you something. 80% of, of, of addicts relapse. People who step away from what they were and go into their life, I feel have a much less percentage of relapsing. Because you're not living in it. If I'm a drinker and all we talk about all day is scotch and how bad it is for me and how bad it is for me and how bad it is for me and I used to drink it and I want to drink it and I need to drink it but I'm not going to drink it. Can I talk to you about it? Can I talk to you about it? Can I talk to you? You know what? Sooner or later if I'm living around this thing of course I'm going to relapse. Of course I'm going to relapse but if I, if I get past this and I go to work and I'm making a living and I'm busy with kids and I'm busy with, with family and I'm busy with this and I'm busy with that and I'm busy with this Yes, I know I can't go near it. Yes, I know I can't drink it. Yes, I know I can't have it on Shabbos. 100%. And once in a while, yes, I'm going to have to call somebody and say, I'm, 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 I'm having a lot of pressure and, and, and I'm thinking about it. And that person has to, has to interfere and stop you. But if I live it and I live it and I live it and I talk about it all the time, I'm going back. I'm going back. Because I'm living in that world, you know? You walk through a perfume factory, you smell from perfume. So, so yes, it's important to start off with and it's important in your healing but it's not a lifestyle. It became a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle. And you want to argue with me? Whoever, any Jew that ever came to argue about this, I'm like, take it up with the Zayar, man. Don't take it up with me. Because the Ariyah Kaddish brings down, he says, Beferish, that a person who does tshuva, zeh, berya, chadasha. He is a new creation. Not an old creation that was forgiven, but a new creation. The Rambam Paskins, that a person who does tshuva, Let's say you did a virus with girls and you did real tshuva. The Rambam says, your name is, I'm like, I don't want to use anyone's name here. Let's say it's Sechaya ben Chaim. The Rambam says, you have to change your name. It's no more Zechariah. It's Sechaya Yehuda Moshe ben Chaim. The Rambam says, why? Because you're not the same person anymore. The person that did a virus with girls, he doesn't exist anymore. It's a new person, you hear what God gives us the ability? You're a new person. You're a caterpillar, you're a butterfly. You're a new Bria. You're a new Bria. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing ability. So, why do you have a lack of self-confidence? Because you did so much wrong in your life? God's saying, that's your excuse? It's not an excuse. Do tshuva. You're a new person. And a lot of people walk around, they can't change they live in their past. That's why bars do so well. I'm not telling you to go to a bar. But if you would go to a bar and you would sit at the bar, right, in Woodridge, I don't think we have 10 people in the whole Woodridge, 10 game in the whole Woodridge, right? But there's a bar when you come into Woodridge on the corner and every single night there's like, when you come off to 17, I don't want to tell you where to go, um, you come off to 17, there's like 60 pickup trucks parked there. I'm like, where are all these guys coming from? There's not 60 pickup trucks in the old Woodridge, right? You walk into the bar, you see a bunch of old guys sitting around the bar. What are they talking about? Listen to me. You, I, I, don't, I don't want to send anyone in here, right? But, but the guys who have been in bars know exactly what I'm talking about. Sit down at any bar. You will not hear, I'll bet. I can't, can't bet. I'll stay away from gambling. But I would bet. You will not hear the word future. At the whole bar, at the whole night, you will not hear the word in the future. All you will hear is, remember the old days? Remember the way it was? Remember Susie? <laughs> remember, you, remember our college basketball team? Remember when business was good? 
everything is in the past. That's a guy. They live in the past. A Jew, we don't live in the past. If we lived in the Holocaust, we, we, we'd be dead. The people who went through the Holocaust, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my grandparents, came from the Holocaust, they didn't talk about it. Spielberg talks about it. He's busy living and living that. Good, we need to know because people will deny it later. But the people who came from the Holocaust didn't live in the past. They lost their kids, they lost their wives, they came to America, and they said, new life. It's hard to understand, right? They got married, they had children, new lives. We're all here from that. Because Jews don't live in our past. We're always talking about the future. Mashiach's coming in the future. Even though I'm waiting so long, I'm waiting for Mashiach. We learn from the past. We learn from the mistakes that we made as a nation. We learn from the past. We don't live in the past. That's why we don't sit around bars talking about what was. When Jews get drunk, you know what they talk about? What's going to be? On Purim, everyone's like, so what's going to be? I'm like, well, what's going to be? <laughs> Is Mashiach coming today or next week? Come on, what's going to be? A whole Purim. That's all I heard. So what's going to be already? Not what, hey, remember? Remember, Rabbi? Remember 20 years ago? Or what's going to be? What's in the future? That's us. That's Klai Yisrael. So now I'm going to end my schmooze with the perfect proof to this. The perfect proof to this. Last week's parasha. Some kid, some guy just told the other guy, it's so true what he's saying. What do you mean? Tonight's the first night I'm saying something that's true? Like, why are you so shocked? I can't believe it. He said, it's so true. They were talking about the bar part because they were there. Okay, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> so. But you'll never hear the word future. Everyone's talking about the past. Do you remember when you'll hear you'll hear in a bar, you remember when you remember when Kennedy was around? Things were great. Hello. Get over it. It's forty years later. Get over it. So yeah, we learned from the Holocaust a lot of things. Our, our, the people who went through the Holocaust, they don't live in it. They're going to shul, they're davening, they're putting on their tefillin, they're going to work. They're the hardest workers. They're the Jewish people who came here, who, the reason we're all here and we have a living, they, they, they didn't live in the past. They didn't walk around. I hate to say this, right? They didn't go, there was no AA for Holocaust people. It's an interesting thing. Today we have um, people who go through you know, very bad times. So there's um, tragedy groups. I don't know what they're called. There's the word for it. Um, tr- not post-traumatic. Um, support. Grieving support, grie- support. Grieving support groups. The whole generation that came out of the Holocaust. Who was their grieving support group? What medicine, what Prozac were they on? How many therapists did they go to? How many of them felt sorry for themselves? How many of them got up at four o'clock in the afternoon? How many of them took cigarettes and smoked on Shabbos to teach God a lesson? Because he killed six million of my brothers. I didn't, I, I drew, I grew up in that generation. None of them. Nobody on Prozac, nobody on Wellbutrin, nobody at therapists, nobody getting up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, no one in depression. Why? They looked forward. They looked forward. I got out of the Holocaust. Why did Hashem save me? To build a family. They looked forward. They didn't look backwards to what was. 
we got to get things done. So, yeah, that generation is so fat, flabbergasted, they so don't understand what is going on with our children. Those people, they, they just don't understand, like, what exactly are your problems? That you, that you didn't get the newest iPod, my pod with the, you know, Z phone, D phone. What, what is your problems? I didn't have food for six days on my way to Auschwitz. And your problem is what exactly? What is your problem? They don't understand it. Because we're all busy in what I should have, what I could have, what I need. And they were just interested in forward, forward, forward. You want to get somewhere in life, learn from the past and, and, and look into the future. And that's, that's a Jew. It's, I'm waiting for Mashiach. We don't go backwards. So my proof to this and how it's, how it's connected to self-esteem, last week, Pashas, right after the double upside-down upside nuns, listen carefully. And the, the nation became a bunch of fetches, complainers. Nothing's good enough, right? Rab Hashem, you're not going to see this. Ra, bad, in the ears of God. By Yishma Hashem, Hashem heard them complain. Listen to the Lashon here. By Yichar Apo, and he became very angry. Very Lashon for God. Very angry. What are you getting so so angry about? What would they complain? Let's hear their complaint, right? By Yichar Apo, by Tivabam Eish Hashem, by Toichel B'Tzei Machle. There was a fire. It was burning on the outside of the machel. They were about to get burnt. But Yitzhak and Moshe, and then right away they come crying to Moshe. That's the way it works. And the fire stopped. Now, what was their complaint? They said, who is going to give us to eat meat? Okay? Now, they, that shouldn't have made Hashem so angry because if you go back to the Mun, right, they did this before they complained and it doesn't say that kind of Lashem that Hashem became so angry. So why over here did Hashem become so angry? Where is the Mun? Pasha B'Shalach, right? Here. Oh. By Dabah Hashem Moshe. Shemati scores B'nai Yisrael. I hear their complaints. He's not even getting angry. Tell them they're going to get food. Right? Okay. They collected it. So, Hashem didn't get angry. They, that time they also said to Hashem, they also said to Moshe Rabbeinu that um, we don't have anything to eat. Right? Listen, this is very important. It's finished. The shit is over. Don't get nervous. The whole nation complained to Moshe and Aaron. Couldn't you have let us die in Mitzrayim? Right? Why did you take us out to the Midbar? And Hashem said, okay, I'm going to give them money. So why over here is Hashem getting so angry? Because listen to what they said. They said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we remember the fish. You hear this? Fish. You think they got fish in Mitzrayim? We remember the fish that we got um, in Mitzrayim. Chinam for free. 
Eis hakishuim, the pickles, the cucumbers, Eis havatichim, and the watermelon, Eis hachatzir, Eis hapitzolim, Eis hashumim. And we remember all these things, pickles, havatichim, watermelon, chatzir, I don't know what that is, I think it's squash, um, no, kvishin, is um, cabbage, what? Eggplant? They had eggplant in Mitzrayim? Okay. So, what they were, what, what they were, what they were doing here, which got Hashem very angry, is they were going back. They were going back to a place Hashem took them out of. A very painful, bad place that a Kushbach who took them out of. And instead of going forward, Instead of going forward, they went backwards. And they said, hold on, we're sitting at the bar. Hey, Frankie! Well, not Frankie. Hey, Moshe! Chaim! Remember the way it was? Remember how it was in Mitzrayim? Remember splitting that watermelon? Remember that jar of pickles? What are you doing? You're out of Mitzrayim. What are you living in the past? Besides that you're a coffee toiv. Because I'm giving you mon. Which tastes like anything, right? What are you living in the past? I took you out of it, Shrayim. We're standing in front of Eretz Yisrael. The mistake was that they were living in the past. And that's, that's where the whole thing, that's where, that's where Baha'u'llah ends, and that's where Shlach because if, if you, if you do not appreciate what you had and what Hashem did for you, then everything that Hashem's going to give you is no good. So you know how it's possible that Jewish people could go into Israel and look at grapes that were the size of watermelons and say it's not good? Because they already were kafri tov in the past of what they had. They were kafri tov to Hashem. Oh, the pickles were much better when we were getting whipped and we were getting beat. That was much better than the mon. Once you're a kafri tov, then you don't appreciate things. Then everything in the future is also going to look very glim. The, 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 and, and that's why Kushbaku, and what happened, then what they said is, They said their souls, and, and I don't have time, we'll, we'll do this next week in Mitzvah Hashem, the week after maybe, we'll see. They said, My soul, my soul is dry. What does that mean? And when you learn this passage, how do you learn this? We want to go back to the tribe, we want the pickles, we want the watermelon, we want the, right? We remember that, and now my soul is dry. What does that mean? How do you translate that? What does nafshenu yevesha mean? How does anyone translate? I don't think Rashi translates. No. How do you translate those two words? Yeah, our souls are dry. Why? They didn't drink enough. What, what does it mean? My, I got a, I got a dry soul. Someone came up to you and said, "I got a problem. What's your problem? I got a dry soul." What is that? What does that mean? Torah is Mayim. So your translation is, there's no Torah in my Nisham, it's dry. It's a nice translation, but it's not what, that's not the right answer, but it's a nice translation. Could be it's an answer. That's not the answer I have. Nishami Yuvesha, Nefesh Yuvesha, a soul is dry, it has no life. When something has no life, when you don't have a Muna. So, when they came to Hashem and they said that, we're crying to Hashem, what are we going to do? We're out here in the desert. We don't have watermelon. We don't have pickles. We don't have all this stuff. When they said that to Hashem, that means they had no immun in Hashem. A person who has no immun in Hashem has a neshama yevesha, has a dry neshama. The water, the life of a person's neshama is his immunah, is his connection in Hashem. 
a person who lives his life in the past has no emunah. Emunah is not for the past. Emunah is for the future. Emunah, bitokhan is for the past. If you look into your past and you say, whatever happened to me in the past was for the good, right? It's not, emunah means from here forward really is emunah. There is a moon and be talking in the past. There is such a thing. But here they were saying that the past, the Mitzrayim, was better than where we are right now. So they pretty much had no moon on a Kirsh They were misiling. They were complaining. That carried into the Maraglam, this week's Parsha. So if a person wants to continue in his life and he wants to grow, he needs to look, he needs to stop looking back. He needs to look back to learn. But he can't live in the back. The Gemara says that the door of Moshiach will be the door, the door of the face of a dog. The translation, there are many translations. One of the translations of that is it will be a door that will be continuously complaining. What do I mean? Continuously looking back. A dog, if you ever see a dog, every five seconds he, he looks back. Always looking back. He says, it's going to be a door that's living in whatever they did wrong in their depression instead of a door of a person who's looking forward. It's going to be the door of the face of a dog. Why the face? The door of a dog! It's going to be the door of a dog. He bites you, he bites his master, whatever the other translations are. Why the face of a dog? It's going to look like a door. The face of a dog is what keeps turning. Always looking back, always looking back, always looking over its shoulder, always worrying... It's a beautiful word. I forgot who said this. Always worrying. When, when you look over your shoulder, it means you're always worrying about what other people think. So it's going to be a fake generation. It's not going to be a real generation. It's going to be a generation that dresses and clothes and works and makes money and, and does everything. What does the other person think of me now? Instead of, what do you think of yourself? If you think you're a grasshopper, then everybody thinks you're a grasshopper. Stop worrying about what everyone thinks of you. Stop, stop worrying about what you think of you. Because what you think of you, that's who you are. And there were two people like that in the Moraglim, and that was Kalev and Yehoshua. Yehoshua got a bracha from his Rebbe, and Kalev, which we'll talk about next year, got this emuna, got this ruach, the medrash, the very interesting medrash, there was a ruach, it says a ruach, that walked with Kalev wherever he went in Eretz Yisrael. What that ruach is exactly, we don't know, but it says the Ruach of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. Through Tefillah, boys. Through Tefillah. Where does Emunah come from? Real Emunah comes from Davening to Hashem. Because Davening to Hashem makes a relationship. And, it, and if you have a relationship with Hashem, then you trust Him. If you trust Him, then there is nothing in this world that can stand in your way. Whether it's Fishiduchim, Panasa, learning Torah, whatever you need. If you Davening to Hashem and you have Emunah in Hashem, you can overcome everything. So my bracha to everyone tonight, and Mitzvah Hashem, the story which is called The Lost Princess, which, wa, which was written by the, by the Breslava Rav, um, is a story about Amuna, and it's an amazing, very deep story. We're really going to tell it to you tonight. We didn't get to it. But in Mitzvah Hashem, I know I said this once before, but in Mitzvah Hashem, the next year that I give, because it's a shir in Amuna, and the story of the lost princess, which is full of Kabbalah, it's an amazing, deep, 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 deep story, um, is a story of Amuna. Because the princess, the lost princess, the princess in the story, is Amuna. 
That's the lost prince. The princess, the king is Hashem. The princess is Amuna. The the general that goes to find the princess is the neshama. The horse that he rides is the guf. And the money that he carries with him is the parnasa that a person makes. So the whole story of the lost princess, which is a fascinating story, is all about the looking for the neshama, looking for the princess, which is Amuna. And the way he finds it in the end of the whole story is through tefillah. So if you want to have a muna, you got to work on your tefillah. And if you have a muna, that will give you the self-respect and the self-esteem that you need. And the self-esteem that you need, you'll always look forward. And with Rat Hashem, you'll look forward into a very good, healthy, happy life together with Gans Yisrael and with Mashiach and You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.